Hey everyone, how's it going? Dr. Natalie here. Today I have a very special guest with us. Her name is Bianca and I'm going to let her introduce herself from here. Go ahead, Bianca. Hi, my name is Bianca Gonzalez. I'm from McKinney, Texas, and I'm a first year at Texas A&M University College of Veterinary Medicine. That's awesome. And was Texas your first choice? It was actually, I've always wanted to stay in Texas. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. That's really awesome. So I know that Texas has like a certain way of, um, pulling from their applicant pool. Do you think that they accept more students from in-state or do you think they do more out of state students that apply? Definitely more students in state. Mm. Um, definitely majority. Do you know why that is? Um, I think mainly because Texas is such a large state that if they don't accept a majority of in-state mm -hmm. people from Texas, then it would be harder for the people that want to be veterinarians in Texas yeah. to become a vet student. Yeah, that makes sense. I always wondered why that was because I remember when I was doing my applications for VEMCAS, um, Texas actually wasn't listed. It had its own set of applications. And I always wondered why that was, but I guess that does make sense when you put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was, the next question I was going to ask you, um, did you always want to be a vet or like, tell us a little bit about your, your background and your upbringing and what led you to getting to this point in your career? Sure. Yeah. So pretty much whenever my parents told me that there was a job where I took care of animals, mm -hmm. I was called a veterinarian. I was like, yes, I want to be that. <laughs> so pretty much ever since I knew what a vet was, that's what I wanted to be. And then what was the, what were the animals that you got to work with when this happened? Um, well, the only animals I was really encountered with were the pets that I had. Uh, the first pet I had was actually a turtle. Aww. His name was Nick. <laughs> I got him when I was about like, I want to say around eight years old. He was Aww. my very first pet. A childhood and ever pet. since I got him, yeah, ever since I got him, I just didn't want to stop getting pets. And after him, I got a cat and then we soon got a dog and it's just continued from there right now we have about 20 animals in the house oh my goodness so and then what tell me crazy. the species tell me everything you have i really want to know <laughs> all right so we have about like 14 chickens in our backyard <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's illegal but they're there oh well <laughs> they, have, they, make us, they give us eggs and then my younger sister has a bearded dragon that mm -hmm. she's had Aww. for a really long time. I'm pretty sure it's been like eight years. I love bearded dragons. I had one that came into the hospital that I used to work at. They named him uh, Drogo. I forgot what his name was. The character from Game of Thrones. I thought it was really cute. <laughs> it's cute. Um, we also have a gecko. Oh. And a few cats. I have my own personal cat. His name is Todd. He's a black cat. He's the best cat ever. And then my mom has two other cats, a tortoise shell and a long hair calico. The long hair calico is so pretty. Like Aww. she has an attitude to her. Oh, they well, don't they all? They always do. <laughs> yeah. 
And then we have a boxer lab. She's coming on like 11 years old. Oh. And then my mom just got a husky lab last year. She's a little bit over a year now. Well, your mom is in luck. Her daughter is a vet. So, hey, this this all worked out, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not many people get to do that. (laughs) That's really cool. Um, And another thing I was going to ask you, what was, besides your your mom and your family introducing you into the field of, um, or the idea of vet med, was there maybe something more profound that happened in your life? Like maybe an experience that was, I don't know, it, it just... It brought you in and you knew because of this you had to be a vet yeah so i have the deck moment in mind it was actually when we had another dog a few years ago mm-hmm. his name is max he was a golden retriever lab he was literally the sweetest dog i've ever met he just every time you walked in a room with him like he made you smile he was so sweet And he was only a few years old when he was diagnosed with a disease. I can't really remember what disease it was, but it dealt with the kidneys. Okay, like... It was a while ago. But um, he wasn't doing very well. He started not eating, not drinking, and he got really skinny. And then one day, my mom... I heard my mom from upstairs screaming my name. And... I went downstairs and I saw him on the floor. He was having a seizure. And in my mind, I was like, was trying to think of all the things I could do to help him. And the only thing I could think of was to like raise his head a little bit off the ground so he doesn't um, hurt his head mm-hmm. and like make sure he doesn't fall his tongue, things like that. And I just felt really helpless in that moment. And I wanted to do something um, more to help him. And I was like, this is what I need to do. Like, I need to figure out how I can help dogs like him because he brought happiness to literally everyone. Yeah. And like to have that happen to him was very unfortunate. And I was the only one in my family who was like able to down that moment and I had to like carry him in his fifth body like to the car into this place where they took care of his body and Mm -hmm. it was really traumatizing for everyone but I had to do what I needed to do in order to you know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'll, I'll never, even in my own personal experience with something like this, I'll never forget or anyone, anyone who goes through this will never forget the first time they had to do that. So my first time was actually at a, um, a small animal clinic and he was this huge Labrador and he was really sick. We had to put him down and it was just, I don't know, the whole process of carrying the body and all of that. It's so, it's like you said, it's so traumatizing and it's, it's, it makes you realize like you need to have really thick skin to handle this profession. No, I totally, I hear you on that. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's unfortunate, but Hey, at least it was something that sparked, you know what I mean? Like it sparked that something inside of you that made you realize that this is your calling. So that's the upside. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that time a lot when I'm like, thinking about what I want to do and like 
how I want to help animals in the future mm-hmm. like that. yeah well that actually leads me to my next question so besides going through the experiences with working with animals i want to dive into a little bit more of the academic side of things um when you were doing your post back in your undergrad and whatever you studied prior to vet school how did that go and i want you to talk about any struggles that you encountered with your classes and how you overcame them yeah so Surprisingly, when I got into undergraduate studies, I found that it was it was hard. Uh, the prerequisite <laughs> courses were hard, but they were easier to me than high school for some reason. I didn't do very well in high school, and I think part of it had to do with the reason that I was more independent. Mm-hmm. I was making my own decisions. I wasn't trying to make good grades to make my parents proud. I was more doing it so that I could reach my goals. Mm-hmm. So it was for me. Um, Isn't that amazing how that works? When it becomes about you, yeah. it becomes just a little bit smoother. <laughs> yeah. It made it easier to like study and mm-hmm. make sure that I do what I need to do to make those good grades. Um, but one of the struggles I had was like time management mm-hmm. I ended up getting really good at it but it was something that was necessary to be successful in my undergraduate school and I did end up getting the hang of it but it was just like getting used to doing your own thing and not just doing things because someone told you to do it yeah you were doing them because you needed to do it and you wanted to reach the goal that you set for yourself. Yeah. So I want to take a second here and say, if you are a pre-vet student and listening to this, really take notes, time management. And remember, you have to want this for yourself and nobody else. This is a big one. Um, And actually in my recent podcast, I don't really, I don't recall anyone bringing that specifically up. So thank you for mentioning that, Bianca. Um, You have to want this yourself, guys. If you're listening and you know, you're struggling, you just have to remember that these are, this is something you're doing for you and nobody else. And that should be, that should be like a big motivational push for you to keep going. Um, what did you study for your undergrad, Bianca? What was the the degree you got? I was actually an animal science major. Okay. So you took the classic route, (laughs) animal science and then vet school. (laughs) That's nice. Trust me. You know, and another thing I'll say is that there's actually no, um, there's no one way or right way to get into school. There are so many different backgrounds and so many different routes that I know from so many people that I've, they've taken. I know some people who don't even have an undergrad degree and they just went straight to vet school. So that's also a possibility too, depending on how good your grades are and how quickly you finish your um, your post-bac classes. So there's so many ways to get in. Um, another thing I'm going to ask you, what, let's see what we have here. Once you started vet school in your first year, what was the most, what was the biggest obstacle you faced? And what's, what's some advice that you can give new incoming students into vet school? Okay. Um, so I would say the biggest challenge was just getting used to the large amount of workload coming mm-hmm. from undergraduate school, it was a really big difference. I would say 
the amount of information we covered in a week in undergrad was about a day's worth of information in vet school. Yeah. So time management also becomes a very big thing that you need to work on in order to be successful in vet school because the workload is very large and Mm -hmm. um, you have to be able to manage all of it and make sure that you study a certain amount for whatever classes you are struggling with. Yeah. You know, another thing I heard was um, someone once told me that you have to treat this like it's a full-time job plus. Do you do you feel like you treat vet school that way? Like you have a dedicated schedule and you just don't do anything else during the week besides school? Oh, yeah. I would say more than that because um, usually 8 to 5 is all classes and then whatever studying homework projects I need to get done that's done from like six to ten maybe Mm. on a regular day yeah okay that's good I mean that's that sounds like a day in vet school so everyone get ready get ready first year get ready for semester (laughs) um another thing I was going to ask have you ever worked as a veterinary technician before before going to vet school so I was never really given the official title of a veterinary technician, but I did work as a kennel tech and also a veterinary assistant okay. in a large animal for like three years. Oh, nice! Which I was pretty much a vet tech there. Yeah, <laughs> the defini- the, the definition title. changes depending on like how much responsibility they give you. Even though they call you an yeah. assistant, you're kind of like um pretty sure that's tech work but I'll take it (laughs) um when you were working in this environment um did you ever feel that there was maybe like um room for improvement as far as management staff um the way people work together in vet med yeah so the veterinarian that was in charge um she was the only veterinarian in the hospital of the large animal hospital that I worked at and he had to manage so many cases, so many horses. We were mainly a reproductive clinic. So in the mornings we did palpations cool. for mm-hmm. horses. Pretty much like 98% equine. We did palpations not only for our mares that he owned, but recent mares because we did embryo transfers as well. And then we had big clients who came and brought their horses in from other places, trailered them in, and we palpated them. And we had a large client that we actually traveled to to do palpations there. And it was a lot. And sometimes it would get so much that like the workers would kind of be overworked and it would be easy for our boss to kind of get angry with us if we weren't doing exactly what he wanted us to and the communication was like kind of lacking sometimes so it could be a very stressful situation and I think not to like blame him because he was the only veterinarian there and he had a lot of responsibility yeah but just like upping the communication and making sure that we we as the workers know what we need to do in order to 
help him because sometimes he just kind of expected us to do things and if we didn't do it like he wanted he would like get upset and so just like communication is always a very large thing when in work environment Especially working with horses, I I know that that can be really stressful, but working with large animals, there's so many things that can go wrong. And even you yourself, you can get hurt easily without even, you know, one little slip and that's it, you know, working with large animals. Right. That's a lot of work. Well, hey, at least you, you know, at least you recognize that because I know that there's a lot, there's a movement going on right now in vet medicine about how people treat each other in the work practice and how how staff works together and how the relationship between veterinarians and technicians and assistants all needs to be positive and how we all have this important role to work together. And so I, I, I always ask um, students this when we do the podcast, like what their opinion is or what their experiences are. So thank you for sharing that. It was really important to hear that today. Um, yeah, no problem. My next thing I'm going to ask you, so just a couple more things before we wrap it up. Um, what types of animals are you thinking about working with? Are you thinking maybe like small, maybe shelter medicine, maybe equine, marine? I know the options, the, the possibilities are endless. So what are you thinking you're leaning into? Yeah, there are many possibilities and that's what makes that decision hard, whether or not to work with certain species or not. I just mainly tell people I'm going to do a mixed animal because I'm still not exactly sure what exact species I want to go into, mm-hmm. but I do like equine. I liked working with equine. I love horses. I've always liked them growing up. I started riding when I was 13, and so I really love horses, and I also want to be able to treat like small animals. Because I know that's a very common thing. And mm. if I have a friend that's like has their horse that they want me to look at, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, my dog has this," I want to be able to, you know, help them as much as I can. Absolutely, there's something very um, powerful about that to be able to help, even like you know your friends, your loved ones, and to help to help their you know their fur babies. So I totally get that. The whole mixed animal. Um, path that you're thinking about it's nice to have options I'm actually personally thinking of that to myself because I don't know what I want to do either (laughs) um but hey we we have time we have time we're still in our in the beginning of our veterinary career so it's okay (laughs) um so two things I want you to go ahead and share maybe a piece of advice that you would give to another pre-vet or vet student and then I want you to mention what your Instagram handle is so people know where to find you and follow you if they like Okay, so one major piece of advice I would give to anyone, pretty much anywhere they are in the career of veterinary medicine, is just enjoy where you are now. Because it's easy to take advantage of the fact that you're not in a place where you imagine yourself to be. And so you want to look to the future and you want to look to whatever you want to be in the future. But in reality, when you are in the future, you will look back at your time where you are now and kind of miss it mm-hmm. and think like, oh, I should have appreciated that time more because it is a lot of work and you will be stressed all the time. So just make sure to appreciate where you are now and be thankful for everything that you have 
Mm. And I'm not saying it'll get worse, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that you should, wherever you are, you should think that you should appreciate it. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and for my Instagram handle, it's uh, is vet to be b e t the number two b e e on Instagram. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, you heard it from Bianca today. Bianca, thank you so much. Um, it was a pleasure. Thank you for giving us all of your, um, this insight, this information about your background in vet med. I'm positive. It's going to help someone out there who's listening and we're going to wrap it up from here. Um, thank you all for listening in. Thank you again, Bianca. And until the next podcast, see you guys.